When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Wisden World Cup Daily Podcast. Afghanistan have done it again. They've beaten Pakistan by eight wickets at Chennai. It's not quite terminal for Pakistan's World Cup campaign, but they are now in serious trouble for Afghanistan. Can they now dream of a place in the final four? It's also a result that means that England are bottom of the table just before the tournament's at halfway point. I'm Yazrana and with me today once more is Saj Sadiq. Saj, Let's talk about Afghanistan first. An amazing result for them. They're an unpredictable side, but in these conditions, their spin attack and their opening pair can cause any side in the world problems on their day. And just before we started recording, you were saying that actually leading up to the game, you fancy their chances. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they deserve a lot of credit for the way they um, not just bowled, but uh, the way they batted as well, the all-round game. They outfielded Pakistan. And, uh, you know, they, they kept the momentum going throughout and yeah, I mean, I was saying to you before we started, uh, I had some bad feelings and bad vibes about this game. Um, it was a uh, it was a banana skin for Pakistan, given the conditions, the way Pakistan had been playing, and um, you know, it was it was ideal situation for for Afghanistan. Um, Packed the team with spinners, and uh, there we have it. Um, you know, I'm not totally surprised. I'm disappointed, but not entirely surprised by the result. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that I really like about a World Cup in India is how much the conditions differ from ground to ground. And also the same ground can have different conditions from one week to another. And I think there was an element of sort of second guessing what the conditions will be like, what would, what will par be. And I thought that um, on, on these sort of pitches, I wonder how much there's a lot of conversation after the England-Afghanistan game. People were asking how much of an upset is this? I sort of wonder, in conditions like this, how much of an upset, given the current form, is this? As as you said, Afghanistan packed the side with spinners, which isn't something that Pakistan can currently do at the moment. It was a very bold call to chuck in the 18-year-old Nur Ahmed instead of Fazlhaq Faruqi. So four spinners in the lineup. Faruqi hadn't had the best tournament so far, and I guess the all-rounder Asmatullah's bowling perhaps made that decision easier than it could have been before because he gives them a bit of extra cover. Um, just on Nur, he was excellent. 18 years old. I know he's played a bit in the IPL. He's been around a little bit, but to get Shafiq, Babaran, Rizwan, uh, he caused Sal Shaquille all sorts of problems as well. It was, it was a brilliant performance. Absolutely. I mean, you've got to give credit to uh, to Nur and the spinners as well. I think the Pakistan approach was to see off Rashid Khan, which is what they generally do uh, when they play against Afghanistan. And uh, I think the, the the issue with the Pakistan batting lineup, which I've mentioned against not just the Afghanistan spinners, but other opposition as well. I mean, if you look at the top five today, they're all strike rate. Well, they all had a strike rate of around about the 80 mark. When uh, Abdullah Shafiq started so well, he hit a couple of sixes in the batting power play. You know, we all started getting excited as Pakistani fans because uh, we're not used to seeing sixes in the uh, in the first ten overs of uh, of the Pakistan innings. 
So it was all set up for a, a big total, really, much more than what they ended up with. But, you know, you've you've got that similarity in that top five, the way they bat, the way they approach their innings, the way they build their innings. And, uh, you know, that was the biggest problem. And the, and the uh, Afghan, Afghan um, spinners took full advantage of that because they knew that Pakistan's game plan was to conserve wickets and leave it for the last 10 overs and then hit out, which is what Iftikhar Ahmed did. But uh, throughout the innings, I thought Afghanistan uh, controlled the Pakistan batting lineup, apart from that, those five overs towards the end of the innings. Mm. What did you make of Pakistan's approach at the bat in the middle overs? Because they started, as you say, pretty quickly, 50 off the first 7.4 overs and then 135 for four in the second power play, which is a run rate of four and a half. Um, runs and over. And I thought what was quite similar actually between the way Pakistan played this to how England played in their defeat to Afghanistan was how they took on Nabi. You know, Nabi, he's a clever bowler. He's wily, but he, there's, there's not a lot of mystery there. He, he'll mix up his flight, mix up his speed a little bit. And there weren't that many risks taken against him, just the two boundaries of his 10 overs. And this, you know, he's not Rashid Khan. And is that almost showing too much respect to a guy who at the end of the day, Bowls decent, but not, not nothing special. Absolutely, I mean Pakistan have come across Nabi and Rashid Khan. They've all played in the uh, PSL. They've played against them in various leagues around the world and at the international level. So there was no element of surprise there, which was why I was slightly shocked as to why Pakistan didn't attack the um, the Afghan spinners, especially in those middle overs. I guess the problem Pakistan has is the worry that will be skittled out like they were against India. And um, when you, when that's in the back of your mind, you know, you play conservatively, you play to uh, conserve uh, wickets, to save wickets. And, uh, you know, when you've got the likes of um, the tail that the Pakistan uh, line currently has, you know, you've not got a Wasim Akram, you've not got a Nazar Mahmood, Abdul Razak, those guys down the order, or an Imad Wasim. Uh, I think that is the concern that they have, is that they have this approach where, yeah, we'll milk, milk the singles and then let's look at where we are in those last 10 overs. As I said to you last time, I think it's a flawed approach. The players, Imam al-Haq at the press conference recently said, no, this is our approach. This is the way we play. We play differently to other teams. I'm afraid you might play differently, but it's not working. Mm. Do you think there's, there's an element of miscalculating conditions today? They maybe thought that the pitch was doing more for the spinners than it actually was. They thought that par might be lower. I mean, this is as good as Afghanistan are with the ball, particularly in these sort of conditions. This isn't a side that regularly gets big scores. I know they got 280 against England, but England bowled appallingly in that game. England fielded really badly in the game. We'll get to Pakistan's fielding in a bit. But is, is there an element that perhaps there was a bit of miscalculation with the bat? I thought they should have targeted 300. Whether that would have been enough today, given the way that they bowled and fielded, I don't know. But 300 for me was the par. These are conditions that a Pakistan team, either with bat or ball, should be used to. You know, it's not alien conditions. It's not the uh, the whacker when it was at its uh, quickest. These are Asian conditions. These are conditions that Pakistan should be comfortable in. I, I, set, I think they set their target too low. Um, they should have set 300, 300 plus for Afghanistan. That would have put them under pressure. But again, it goes back to the approach, the batting approach and uh, the lack of risk taking, really. Even quite far into the Afghanistan run chase, despite their good start, I still thought Pakistan had a pretty good chance. 
Zadran and Gobaz were, were brilliant. And, you know, if we're looking at what the differences were between the two teams, Ramanullah, um, he's such a clean hitter. He was striking at 122. And as, as you say, none of the Pakistan top five struck at more than 80. But you always get a feeling with Afghanistan. Once you get those two, they could be in trouble. And there was a period where Afghanistan got a bit stuck. The um, required rate was at one point 5.41 runs and over. That went to well above six. Um, Hassan Ali bowled a spell where he took one for 14 off five overs. 39 for one was scored between the 27th and the 37th overs. But then I thought Pakistan sort of took the pressure off a little bit. There's a lot of overs of seam left. Shaheen Harris had, I think, six overs between them. Um, Hassan Ali had, had overs left as well. But they went, uh, Sam Amir and Shadab Khan bowled quite a lot and, and neither looked that threatening early in the game. And I thought that sort of let Afghanistan get back ahead of the rate when actually there was a period where it, it looked like they were sort of going nowhere against Hassan Ali in particular. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of Pakistan's biggest problems with the ball has been lack of early wickets. Um, I think um, I, I did some stats earlier on, and in the first 10 overs of each of these matches, they've barely taken any wickets at all. I know they took a couple against India, but uh, the rest of the matches, I think, one here and there against Australia, they didn't take a wicket. Today, they struggled as well. So those lack of early wickets has actually hampered them. They're used to, when they're playing well, Shane Shafri, they're taking those early wickets and then Ralph comes in and the opposition batters are looking to rebuild the innings almost. But, you know, when, when you've not taken early wickets, you're in trouble. They played two leg spinners today because Nawaz, Nawaz was apparently uh, not well. Um, this seems to be a regular thing with uh, Pakistan cricket at the moment. When somebody gets dropped, they say, oh, he's not well. Uh, probably don't want to hurt their feelings. Um, but, you know, it, it's a situation where the Pakistani spinners exerted no pressure at all on the Afghan batters. And if you're comparing not only the fielding, the bowling, um, the running between the wickets was a key difference, I thought. The Pakistani batters rarely put the Afghan fielders under pressure, whereas the Afghan batters were looking for those quick singles, looking to turn those ones into twos. And, um, you know, the Pakistan fielders out there, they were panicking. Mm. You're right about the running in, uh, between the wickets. There was an interesting interview with Zadran after the game. Um, he scored 87. Him and Ramanullah are an amazing pair. They're the same age. They've been playing age group cricket together since they were 15, 16. And I think there's a, as a pair, they complement each other really well. Ramanullah is such a good ball striker and Zadran's more of an accumulator. Um We've got to talk about the fielding. It, at times, it, it was it was appalling. Overthrows, misfields galore. Um, I thought from the outside of the last couple of years that this Pakistan side's a bit different. There's been quite a big regeneration of who who the players actually are. You know, got this new core of Baba, Shaheen, Shadab, Rizwan, who don't have that many um, old tournament scars. This felt like a very old. Pakistan World Cup performance. You know, this side has actually had two very good T20 World Cup campaigns. I know they've been inconsistent, but on the whole, reasonably successful. Big win over India in 2021, getting to the final in 2022. What, what do you think? Wh why do you think they feel so badly sometimes? Because it, it shouldn't It shouldn't happen at this level. Yeah, it wasn't just the fielding, yes. I thought the body language, yeah. the fielding out there was, was appalling. And <clears throat> you, you don't like to see your teammates shaking the head at a captain, at his decision-making. There wasn't a, a review wasn't taken and Rizwan was stood there shaking his head. 
that to me is open dissent. And that tells you a lot about what's going on in this group of players, the culture, the lack of support. And there was a there was an overthrow at one point where I think about five of the Pakistani fielders were stood there with their hands on their hips, shaking their heads and uh, just glaring at each other. And uh, it reminded me of when Pakistan back in the day had about 10 captains or 10 former captains uh, on the field. You know, they'd all want to be, they'd all be gunning for the captaincy and all be glaring at each other. But, I mean, they were high-quality cricketers back then. This bunch, unfortunately, uh, they they are playing under a lot of pressure. They're, you've got to question their tactics. You've got to look at their approach. You've got to look at their, their body language, as I say, is terrible. And I'm afraid to say that it comes from the captain. The captain out there is the leader. He should be steering the team. He should be steering his troops. And uh, he, he's one of the main culprits in terms of uh, misfields. No, absolutely. I mean, there have been questions and murmurings around Babo's captaincy for a while, even when there, there was success on the field. Do you think that there should be more questions over that? I'll, I'll say it simply, uh, yes. If Pakistan don't qualify for the semi-finals, which is very unlikely, I think he should be removed as ODI captain. If he doesn't resign, then the board need to make a decision and remove him as ODI captain. Whether they retain him as Test and T20 captain, that's um, another decision. But for me, if Pakistan don't reach the semi-finals, then he has to go. I mean, there have been murmurings as well of, of, of infighting in the dressing room. And, and there's a statement that the PCB put out today, actually, saying that the PCB strongly denies recent speculations about internal discord in the national cricket team. Um, set up contrary to rumours circulated by a certain section of the media. The PCB unequivocally assures that the team is cohesive and there is no evidence to support these substantiated claims. At a very, very basic level, <laughs> the fact that you're putting out a statement like this suggests that not everything is going swimmingly. Um, what, what what have you made of, of that mini drama, of just the statement itself, really? Yeah, the rumours are based around an altercation between a couple of unnamed players and also some um, incidents involving the skipper where players have openly questioned him. And, um, you know, there's, there's situations involving the captain where teammates have not been happy um, about things that have been said. Uh, when the Pakistan Cricket Board, when I saw that statement this morning, I uh, it, uh, it made me laugh, really, because you think, a statement like that only comes out when there's uh, some uh, something going on. You know, there's no smoke uh, without fire, is there? So it's one of those situations where I think things have been happening in the background and PCB felt to, um, you know, they, they needed to send that statement out, which to me was absolutely bizarre. Um, that's it for part one. In part two, we'll answer a couple of um, listener questions and, and look forward to tomorrow's game. I guess, Saj, the, the obvious question, if, if you're calling for Babar's resignation or you think he should go if they don't qualify for the semi-finals, is, is who do you think is best placed to take over? Because sort of as you say, it, it seems a little bit all over the place on the field when things went wrong. Sometimes when it goes well with Pakistan, it looks great. But as you say, the body language throughout a lot of the run chase wasn't great. And there were points even quite late where I still think they were in a pretty good position to win the game, given how inconsistent that Afghanistan middle order can be. See, the great Pakistani teams of the past would have fought for every run out there. We've seen in the past, and I don't know, it was, I don't want to go back to the days of Wasim and Wakar and Shwai and these guys, but 
they would have been out there trying to take wicket after wicket after wicket, even when uh, Afghanistan needed a runner ball, 30, 40 runs, they would have been, they knew that one wicket could lead to two, could lead to three, and Afghanistan aren't used to these high uh, successful uh, run chases. They would have known that a couple of wickets and the opposition would have been under pressure. But to be honest with you, this Pakistan bowling lineup and that fielding lineup, they didn't look like taking wickets at all. That was the biggest concern. And I think um, this is the reason why I'm saying that uh, Barbara Azam has to go as ODI captain. Mm. And do you think there's an obvious person to, to take over? Well, I think you'd look at Mohammad Rizwan, possibly. He's um, he's probably next in line. The vice captain is Shabab Khan, surprisingly. But um, he's in horrible form. So I don't even think um, he warrants a place in the side at the moment. Um, the other choice possibly could be uh, Shaheen Shafidi, who's captain uh, Lahore Kalanda successfully in, in the T20 format. So I would say it's probably... And then the other person is um, people have mentioned, but he's not play ODI, played ODI cricket for a while, is uh, Imad Wasim. Um, he could be brought back as a skipper as well. I know some people have, have uh, suggested that. Mm. But it needs changing. Things have to change. We had a few questions along along the uh, similar lines this one. So Hazifa asked, do you think a post-World Cup Pakistan should do a revamp and go for a more new-gen attacking brand of players such as Mohamed Harris, Saeem, Ayub, Azam Khan, etc.? We had a few people asking if this campaign goes really quite badly for Pakistan and it's threatening to do that at the moment. Is this the opportunity to do something similar to what England did in, in 2015 and basically back a completely different type of cricketer? I mean, from an English point of view, I always thought what was really fascinating about the 2015 World Cup was that it wasn't as if England didn't have those players. England Lions played a tour at the same time as the World Cup and that squad had Ben Stokes in it. It had Jason Roy, had Adil Rashid, Mark Wood, etc. The players were there. They just weren't backing the right players at, at the time. Do you think that that is something that Pakistan could do? We talked about Sal Shaquille, for example, uh, when you were last on. He's quite an interesting case in that this is the guy who's the test match number five, who never plays um, in the... He's never played a PSL game, yet he's batting number five for Pakistan in a World Cup. Do you think that this could be the opportunity for quite a significant uh, rebrand of, of white ball cricket in Pakistan? I think it does need a, a rebrand, but not a complete overhaul. I think the bowlers, you look at Shaheen Shafidi, Harris Ralph and Nassim Shah. I know Harris hasn't had a great tournament, but you've got three high-quality paces there. Pakistan needs a, a wicket-taking spinner. Their spinners at the moment are too defensive. I think the batters that you've mentioned, I'd like to see the likes of Mohamed Harris given a chance. I'd like to see the, the likes of Simon You given a chance as well. I think Imam Haq, Abdullah Shafiq, whilst he's a quality batsman, um, Saul Shaquille, Barbarazza, Mohamed Rizwan. This this top five are just too similar. I mentioned about the strike rates throughout the tournament of, of these players. You cannot win a tournament with strike rates around the 70 or 80 mark in each innings. I know Saul Shaquille had, had a decent innings uh, in one of the matches. And I know Pakistan chased down a high total against Sri Lanka. But Week after week, match after match, you're not going to win many matches with that top five. So I think a couple of changes need to be made. Look, Bob is still a, a world-class batter. Mohamed Rizwan is excellent as well. So you can't get rid of those two. But I think the openers need to be looked at. Yeah, Harris, 
Simon you give them a chance, bring some youth in, fresh legs in the field as well. I'd also question if the guy Ahmed, I know he batted well today, but how often does he do it? I think Shadab Khan needs a rest from the uh, ODI format as well. So there's probably about four or five changes that need to be made at least. Hmm. I guess as well, when all said and done, when people look back on this tournament in years to come, the, the loss of Nassim Shah is just huge. You know, he, he he was bowling so well going into the tournament. He just brings a completely different dimension to the attack. I know that Hassan Ali actually had a pretty good game today. It was his spell that sort of um, stopped, stopped the flow of the Afghanistan innings with 10 or so overs to go. But Nassim Shah's loss is just absolutely enormous for any cricket team. Yeah, I think the thing with Nassim Shah is he, his confidence was high. His fitness levels were good. Um, and he was at the top of his game, not only in terms of accuracy, but he was taking wickets as well. And in tandem with Shaheen Shafidi, it was one of the best new ball partnerships in white ball cricket out there. They, they, they were both wicket takers. They could both trouble the batters. So there was, there was no easy option for the batter where they could say, oh yeah, we'll see Shaheen out and the guy at the other end we can score runs off. And that's, you know, without uh, no disrespect to Hassan Ali, this seems a massive loss for them. Well, Pakistan are still in the competition. And I feel that not just uh, for them, but for Afghanistan, maybe even for England, and maybe actually for the whole tournament in general, everyone really needs Australia to have a bad couple of weeks because, you know, we're not, we're not even at the halfway stage of the group stage, but it looks like... Uh, there is certainly a top four that, that is forming and Australia in, in fourth place are the one that if they uh, lose a couple of games, if they, if they lose against New Zealand, maybe lose against England, that, that opens up the tournament. But I worry that the top four might run away with it, um, especially on, on current form. Um, tomorrow's game is Bangladesh, South Africa on, on current form. You, you have to make South Africa massive favourites from that one. But as we've seen over the last week or so, upsets do happen. Um, Saj, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, hopefully next time that you come on uh, we have a Pakistan win to talk about rather than defeat as it, as it seems to be I at hope the moment. so <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time and thanks listeners we'll be back tomorrow for our weekly show Sports Social Podcast Network